Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Climber, if you're a songwriter hoping to get cut by other artists, does it help or hurt you to release your own music independently? We're going to talk about that today on The Climb. Johnny, do that thing that you do so well. Welcome to The Climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Guys, it's all about leverage. Artists are owning their own masters. Artists are creating joint venture deals with the majors to distribute and help them market and do some other label-type service stuff. But they have the leverage. They own the traffic. And that's what you need to be thinking about, too. That is the business model that works. That's where you need to be. And that's why we call it The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That's a Baxteronym, you like what we did there, mm-hmm. from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who is also a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols. He's got number ones in Southern Gospel. He's got charts. He's charted on Australia. He's charted on in Texas, which is its own planet. <laughs> and... He's making miracles happen, baby. So what I love about him, though, is that he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on a regular basis, which is just about every quarter, I think, there's an event where you get to be introduced to the pro so you can create relationships. That's that's what these publishers want. You know, you want to get in that game. You got to get your game good, and then you need relationships, and you can find all of that whenever you want, as often as you want, at songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, big words, but Johnny got the big brain. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you living, buddy? Oh, hanging by a thread. You know, as usual. No, life is good. Life is good. Got uh, got songs out in the world, which is always fun, and just trying to make hay and just do the deal. Man. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. Happy spooky season. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you is last night we went to the freak show and Mackenzie's in town. Yes. And so she played the freak show and she did, she did sugar daddy issues. How'd it go? And it went over great. And actually right when I'm done, don't this tell pod, me what's that. I say, yeah, if it sucked, don't tell me. Just no, no, she did great. She did. She did great. <laughs> she did great. Everybody loved it. And in fact, TJ was like, you're, Sugar Daddy issues. Oh, and so TJ is like filming it, like oh, which yeah. is nice. like right over the front of the stage with their phone. I thought, well, that's like that's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's respect from TJ right there. I mean, that is yeah. And I was I was prideful of that moment. So I love her to death. But she's you know she's the real deal, and she doesn't throw it out. 
to make people feel good. She only does it when she has the respect. So I love that. But that's great. I have to give a shout out to a couple of climbers because mm-hmm. they came into town and we're like, there's some spots where we want, we're, we're going to do a video for sugar daddy issues. Okay. Yeah. Which we've pushed the release back to January now, FYI. Oh, okay. So we're shooting the video the weekend of November 3rd, mm-hmm. but there's a scene we want to, like, I want to be able to intercut with some live footage of her. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to do some stuff with her live show. I just don't, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to come out, right? Because I'm not going to be the one behind the camera or whatever. Yeah. But I'm going to give some instructions to the guy that's doing it. But I thought, you know, we could also kind of tighten it up and do something a little bit more centric to the video. And so we're going to cut a scene, SIR, later today, okay? Yeah. And it'll probably be there maybe, I mean, two hours at the most, right? But with a live band, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not, they're not actually going to be playing, okay? Right, yeah. It's really just about her vamping in front of the mic with a band behind her. But everybody in the band behind her is going to have on old man masks, right? Of course, yes. (laughs) We tried to go Bill Clinton and Joe Biden and Nick Cage Mm -hmm. because those names are like mentioned in the lyric. Yeah. And they had Bill Clinton and Joe Joe Biden masks that at a really big show a few weeks ago, I saw that on social. Mackenzie got a little drunk at the show. She she gave the mask away. <laughs> That's great. The people in the audience, yeah. and we didn't have them anymore. And yeah. and the Nick Cage mask though was just really kind of crappy. It was like just a paper face. <laughs> it wasn't like a like a mask. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we're gonna do old man mask because that works too, right? Oh yeah. So I didn't obviously she didn't come down here with her band. She's down here because her sister's getting married, and so they just came down to the family came down and spent some time with her sister. So I put out the the bat signal, signal there, yeah. if you will, on the climb community. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, if any climbers in town tomorrow, right? This was last night at the freak show. Any climbers in town tomorrow? Yeah. Like, and you're free. Like, I need some guys to be in, in the band. Yeah. And, and to come by. So I got like immediately two responses from Johnny Matt and from Braden Joseph Barry. And they're all like, yeah, man, where's it at? Yeah. SIR. So it's great, man. We're going to have climbers in. That's great. But, you know, it'll be anonymously because they'll have the masks on. Yeah. And so think like Shania Twain and, or uh, who her video was doing an homage to. Addicted to Love. Yeah. Yeah. To the Addicted to Love video with Paul or I mean. Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. And it's like, you don't even have to really look like you're playing, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't even have to play it. It just needs to look like that. Yeah. And so this is going to be, this is going to be cool. So I just, that's fun. Kind of fun, man. That was able to just be like, Hey, I'm going to phone a friend <laughs> <laughs> right now because I, I want some, some people there. And like, I would normally do interns or something, but all of my interns are like, couldn't do it. Yeah. So I was like, crap. So there we are. Fun, fun. Anyway, super fun. So. Thank you to Braden and to Johnny and forward to hanging out with you guys later today. But I want to give them a shout out for responding. And, you know, you never know, man, you're in town. I know Johnny doesn't live here. I, I don't think he must be visiting again. Yeah, yeah. And come be in an artist video. I think it'll be fun. fun, fun. <laughs> and speaking of the climb community, y'all should join the climb community. So you yeah. see the bat signal when Johnny throws it up. And it is at facebook.com slash groups slash the climb community. It is where the fun stuff happens is where we communicate with y'all other than if you're on the email when we send you an email about the new about the new episodes dropping, but we have a good time in there. We have a spot for you to drop your gig alert, which we always have people out there playing somewhere. Let each other know about that. Also the winds, the winds, which is the new heights. And did you have anything else on that before I'd hop into some winds? Nope. That's it. Let's get into some winds. I love it. All right. Some winds. We love it. So we have the new heights post every Wednesday. You can post in there any day under that topic, but the new one comes in every Wednesday 
And so we uh, we want you to know where the party is so you can join. So let's see. Boomer Rowe, who's also a songwriting pro member, says, My first indie cut, Summer of Single Me by Kelly Daniels, was charting number three on Submit Hub with 85% approval rating, averaging over under 1,000 daily streams on Spotify with 1,750 monthly listeners. So nice. Congratulations, Boomer. I talked to him. You know, like I said, he's a songwriting pro member, and he's definitely excited about that, as you should be. Boomer, so congrats. Okay, uh, so let me add, put the cherry on top of Boomer Row, mm-hmm. because literally, as we were just talking right here, I get a DM from Boomer, and he's like, hey, man, do you got everybody that you need for that video shoot tonight? Huh. <laughs> nice. And I was like, actually, I do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, that was that was awesome. So that's that's great. Let's see here. Climber Blake Bard is one of the it says uh, announcing the winners of the November December 2023 lyric contest by American Songwriter Magazine. So of course we're friends of American Songwriter. When they had their uh, podcast network, we were on it. The climb was on it. But anyway, they have that lyric contest every month, and Blake had a song that was in the honorable mention of that. It's called Colorado Let Me Know, which is an intriguing title. I think that title gets you winning before you're spinning, Blake. And they liked the whole lyric, so it made the honorable mention. So good job on that. And everybody else who, you know, we didn't have time to get to today, congrats. Keep on climbing. Thank you. Yeah, keep on climbing, guys. Well done. Yes. So songwriters, release some music independently. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yes. So... You know, I have people asking about this periodically about, hey, should I go ahead and put stuff out or how do I put stuff out, that sort of thing. And and it, it is a question of going, okay, I'm a writer. Maybe I have some artist chops, but maybe that's not the, it's not the deal. It's not my main thing is I want to be Taylor Swift or I want to be Eric Church or whatever. But they can do that, right? They can do some of their own demos. They can sing their own stuff. Like, should I put that out there independently and put it up on streaming social media to try to do my own version, let that out into the world? Or do I kind of keep it protected, keep them as demos, only B2B, meaning business to business, me as a songwriter business, mm-hmm. to publishers and artists as record business? Does it help me or hurt me to put stuff out? And I have thoughts on it. So I thought, yeah, I know Johnny has thoughts on it too. So why don't we share? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, first off, I think, I think it helps unless you're just totally screechy and terrible. Right. In which case you don't need to be doing your own demos at all, which is, by the way, why you never hear my voice on a demo or any sort of recording. That's not the climb. This is assuming that you can sell the song. Yes. Let's put it this way. This is assuming you can sell the song. So I don't do this myself because I ain't selling the song with my vocal. Okay. Maybe with my interpretive dance. Yes. (laughs) It's the interpretive dance that I love the most. for you. Right. And now this doesn't mean that you have to be Pavarotti up there or that you have to be Carrie Underwood. I think a lot of the people we're going to talk about aren't like world beater vocalists. They aren't Chris Stapleton. They aren't that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Maybe some of them are, but some of them aren't. But they can sell the song. They can interpret the song. It's kind of the same thing when you go talk about demos, like, hey, should you sing your own demo? It's like, well, can you sell it? Yeah. Because that's really what it comes down to. Some people aren't great singers, but they can just put a thing in their song that sells it yeah. and gets the emotion across. And you wouldn't put them on American Idol or The Voice, but they can sell their song yep. and they might be the best voice for it. Other times, nope, get somebody else. So this is assuming that you can do a good recording that's not going to make you and your brand just throw stank on it as a whole. 
Yeah, okay. that's right. Minimum kind of bar <laughs> that you need to yeah, reach. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's something to be said too about like if you throw stank on it as a whole, and you, what are you going to do? You're going to put it up on Spotify, and nobody's going to care. So yeah, I mean, it's almost like anonymous. You know, like when you really screw up on a digital platform, it means nobody saw it. So yeah. But you know what's weird though? I, I don't know if this is the right part of it to interject this or not. But when I get songwriters, you're like doing demos, mm-hmm. and they know they can't sell it, so they want like the demo singer. Mm-hmm. They pay extra money for a work for hire license so that they can release the song with the demo singer's voice, on yeah. it, which is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on about that, but just from a strictly like marketing perspective, I don't think it makes any sense. First of all, it means that there is no marketing, right? Because they're, they're going to spend money to try to put this. I just want to put it on Spotify to see what happens and nothing's going to happen. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, okay. So that's a good caveat. I hadn't considered that. But actually, I had a coaching client ask me about that because he doesn't sing his own demos. But he was like, hey, I got this extra lane of kind of what I do and talking to some of the demo singers about putting it out as under this kind of a, a brand name, not a artist name, but like a collective or... This was like CCM stuff. So under blank and blank worship. Yeah. And so you have these different voices. And just but to there's kind something of, to market is what you're saying. There is a brand that so there would is, be a brand, but it's not a voice. It's a collection of voices. So I'm like, at least there's some kind of umbrella. Like this is the thing. Cause that's quite common. And like you got elevation worship, Maverick music, these CCM, you know, worship, collectives that may have different leads. Yeah. Or how so, about, here's a, a huge pop group, the Gorillas. They're cartoon characters. <laughs> no one knows what they look like kind of thing, right? Yeah, that are just made. So it's it gives you, but, but the, so I like that. Like mm-hmm. the point is, is that there's a marketing plan to- There's at least- To, to put it out there. Something and, and to on. do that. Because otherwise I just think that, just play all your friends the demo. They're the ones that are going to listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean- like, yeah, if I were to do that, I'd obviously have the demo singers on the stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, then I would need to, you know, if it's a traditional demo, you're going to need to up the rate that you pay. Go back, pay everybody for the master or at least a limited pressing. So you write by the unions and you pay people more for the usage of it. That's a yeah. normal thing. That's something I told this guy. It's like, okay, if you're going to bump it from a demo to a master, it's going to cost you some money. And the same thing for the singer because people just charge more. For like, okay, if you're directly monetizing this, putting it out in the world, it's a master, then pay me more. If it's a demo, you pay me less. Yeah, there's like three levels of pay for the musicians mm-hmm. and the singer mm-hmm. that are going to make your master recording, right? The first one is the demo level. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that's just like define that really quick. The yeah. idea behind that is that the recording they're going to make is a B2B recording, business to business. So mm-hmm. that recording itself, that the talent that they put on that recording is not being sold to make money. It's being used to demonstrate the lyric, the melody, and the vibe of the song mm-hmm. so that somebody else will cut it. And then that's going to be a master recording that's going to be sold for money. Right. So that's why it's a lower price, right? Yeah. Because there's a boatload of demos being done every single day in this town. It's not directly being monetized. Exactly. Yeah. And so then when you throw the cog in the wrench where you're like, wow, I just really love how this demo turned out. Can I release it? Well, you can, but now you have to go back and now that's called the limited pressing, right? Mm-hmm. Which I believe is up to, in in the days of hard physical product, it was two th- up to 2,000 albums. Mm-hmm. 
you have to pay them a higher rate because now that's become a master recording that you're going to try to exploit. Yeah. And so that has to happen. And then this might be stuff that you sell at shows, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then above 2000 copies, it would be then official, a master track. That's the top level. Mm -hmm. They get paid more for that. So you just have to understand that they need to be compensated appropriately. Yes. We want to be fair to our musician friends because Lord knows in the days of band in a box and everything else, our musician studio friends are hurting. So yeah, take care of your musicians. Okay. And they'll take care of you. It's like you do your bartenders and waitresses. Exactly. Tip them, but don't tip them over. So so that's one thing, you know, you may need to go back and backfill some of that, but like, okay, if I were going to do that for myself, like go like, oh, I love how some of these demos turned out. I want to put them up on Spotify and streaming or whatever, and just blast them out there. My question would be like, oh, what's the point of that? If I'm not going to really put it out there and work it. And now I'm trying to get those songs to get spins. And then if I do, do I want them to, and that's the question, right? Like if I get enough spins, is that just going to run somebody off? If go, Oh, well, that's already out there. I don't want to compete with that. Or is it going to help it get discovered? Right. And that's really what it comes down to. Is it going to kill the option of somebody else recording it? Or is it going to help somebody find it? Right. Yeah. Bottom line, I think it's going to help somebody find it. Because I have several examples here of people who put out their own records first, and then it went on to get a major cut and become a number one. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of one right now. I bet it's probably on your list without having looked at it. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is, and we'll get to Travis Meadows. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> I know you, Johnny. We've hung out. So anyway, what kind of got, what got me thinking about this, other than the fact that, yes, it comes up in coaching sessions, it comes up in the climb community, it, it comes up in these various places, is I've been going through some of my, uh, to name them again, American Songwriter Magazine back issues, just going through and like, I'm going to reread these interviews with a highlighter to bring back nuggets for my songwritingpro.com community or my coaching clients, because I send them a, several times a week, I'll send them little, little videos of going, here's a nugget for you, just a little coaching. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, you know, always be serving. But anyway, so this is uh, an interview with Ashley McBride. And this part, which grabbed me for this was, let's see. So based on talk about her her current record, uh, which is, I think, called The Devil I Know. And so it's Ashley's current record, 2023 record, if you listen to this in the future. It says, basically writing her own songs and being more open and stuff. In this approach, McBride was highly influenced by singer-songwriter Travis Meadows and his sometimes harrowing accounts of being a recovering addict, addict, especially his 2011 album, Killing Uncle Uncle Buzzy. Yeah, after hearing his work for the first time, she remembers thinking, this is a songwriter. On The Devil I Know, Meadows co-wrote the track Made For This with her. So, okay, well, there's a case in point. So Meadows put out this record in 2011. All right, so that's when Killing Uncle Buzzy was out. I don't know if that was his first record. He's put out a handful of records. She heard that record. Now, this is, at this point, what, 12 years ago? So she was not Ashley McBride at that point when that record came out. But at some point, she discovered that record. It was like, holy crap, this is a songwriter, right? Yeah. And it influenced her songwriting. And guess what? Eventually, Travis ends up on the bus. Yeah metaphorically or literally, but he ends up in the writing room with her and they write the lead off track for that album called made for this, which is awesome. It's about a, about an artist's life. It's really cool. 
as her stuff tends to be. It's great. Oh, I love it. So not only was she like, this is a songwriter, I need to let that inform how I write my honesty, my all this stuff, right? Which is great. Mm-hmm. She's like, and I want to write with that guy. Yeah. So boom. Okay. So if he hadn't put that record out, you know, and I and I looked up Killing Uncle Buzzy on Spotify just right before this. And, you know, some of the biggest track on there called It Gets Better has on Spotify over half a million listens, right? Half a million streams. Yeah. But a lot of them are sitting under 100,000. Yeah. So haven't even hit the, hey, Johnny, can you help me out with this level yeah. <laughs> of, of streams, right? That's exactly right. I haven't done that. Now, there's some that are in the six figures, but the highest one is still it's like 600 Okay. So it's a very small indie release yeah. record. Yeah. That was, if you guys, by the way, if you haven't heard this record and you want to go to songwriting school, you probably haven't considering the numbers on it. Holy crap. I mean, yeah. Killing Uncle Buzzy is the record. Mm-hmm. And this whole album, I listened to this album and it floored me mm-hmm. when I heard it. Like it floored me. It's like so many moments on there, but it is a, you know, he's had a hell of a life, that dude, yeah. right? Like, he lost both his parents, I think, when he was 13 or 14. He lost a foot to cancer. cancer. And there was a moment in his life when he's feeling really sorry for himself, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and he started drinking and drinking, and then he turns into, like, a raging alcoholic. And mm-hmm. he will tell you, he talks about this live in his performances, that yeah. Literally, for I think it was for seven years, he never had a hangover. Like, let that sink in. And it ain't because you You only get a hangover when you start to sober up. (laughs) So he just was hammered for seven years straight. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he had to turn his life around. And so that whole record, Killing Uncle Buzzy, is about all of that, getting through that. And Oh my God. Like, so that became like this cult thing Mm -hmm. on music row and the record was on all the buses. Right. Like, because it's cool. It's different. Freaking music. Yeah. It's good. It's not competition, I guess. It's not like, I think it's just good. I think they just love the craft of it. It was just so So good. good. And you know what? Travis Meadows never going to win American Idol. No. For his voice. No. But those lyrics are just so. I think. I think it's the because it was so good. It's just a the way it would. It was just a big fat reminder of here's how y'all should be writing. Yeah. Well, that's what it was for Ashley, right? It was a wake up like, okay, yep. that's it. That that's is how to. Writer. This is how to be honest. Yeah. This is how to be honest and get to because we get too often we get like caught up in the music row thing. Who's cutting? What's the brand? How's the hustle? It needs to be glossy. It needs to be ready for radio. It needs to be all these things. And Instead he was of just, just coming like, from the heart. Yeah. Here it is. Which, ironically enough, or not ironically, translated, got him in those rooms. Yep. Another, so got him in the room with Ashley. And now they, he has a cut on her record. And also there's another song on Killing Uncle Buzzy. From 2011, called "What We Ain't Got." We want, yeah, what we ain't. We got. all want what we ain't got. Mm-hmm. Which in 2013, so two years after the record was released, and went to I believe number one. Yeah. for Jake Owen. Yep. I wonder where Jake heard that. <laughs> on the bus, probably on the <laughs> bus. I don't know that for sure. It might have been pitched. But thing is, he probably heard on the bus. No, it was on the bus. I know the story. It was on the bus. Okay. This is so. This is like with the touring 
artists, right? Like I know this from being a former touring artist. There are things that like are just that go around as a small community, right? Yeah. Like comedy stuff. Like who are those guys that used to do the prank phone calls? I'm trying to remember what the hell they were called. <laughs> the but jerky like, boys? The jerky boys. The jerky <laughs> boys. Like it would be the road crew that would always have like the latest jerky boys thing. And it was like underground stuff and they would bring it to you. And it was, yeah. so, it, you know, when it's good, when it's really, really good, like they're all over it. The crew will be all over it. The artists and the musicians will be all over it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that record was. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I know that there's something else to this story. I don't know if I'm not, hope I'm not stepping on your story, but. No, no, it's good. Go. Jake, like, loved that song mm-hmm. and really wanted to record it. And he called Travis and asked him for permission <laughs> yeah. to record it. And at this point, Travis isn't like in all the rooms just yet, right? Yeah. Like, he's starting to get. He's starting to heat up, but it wasn't, he's not where he is now as a writer with that kind of respect yet, or, or let's say recognition yet. Yeah. And so he's like, well, yeah, of course. And then Jake talks about recording that song. If you listen to, we all got, we all want what we ain't got on killing uncle Buzzy. And you listen to Jake's version of a Jake Owens version. Jake Owen was scared to death to, screw that song up <laughs> yeah and so it'd be because it's very sparse it's mm-hmm. like a piano essentially and a very little else and he's like if we try to go all music row on this thing yeah and overproduce it we're gonna we're gonna f it up yeah. so he just was very scared of like basically it's almost like a re-recording mm-hmm. of what he did which is just the coolest possible from a production standpoint, from yeah. a writing standpoint, from a, yeah, the of the utmost respect you could have. Like I just can't. It would be, be like be like trying to do like a big highfalutin version of the house that built me. Yeah. You know, like you're gonna just wreck yeah. it. Like it's just a melody. And that song, I mean, I'm kind of getting a little worked up talking about because that's the song we played at my my mom's funeral. Mm. So that's that's the that's deal. A good song. <laughs> it's a really good song. And thank God he put that into the world, right? If he hadn't put that in the world, how many people would not have heard that song? If he had just been set on it as a demo on Music Row and said, I'm going to wait for some publisher to come along and get it on Jake Owen's bus, it's a different context. It's a different thing. Yeah, It goes through a different door and it's, it's a different thing. And man, God bless him for that. I mean, how much is that? Not only, for one thing, here's the big thing, right? If you're watching, especially if you're watching the video of this, it touched lives. Yeah. And so that's the thing, right? That, I, I can't mean, listen to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one more thing about Travis, by the way. So, you know, Ava Page, we've talked about her so many times. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on the, well, she was at this point when this dropped, she will have been on the, the writer's takeover. I started working with her when she was like 12. Yeah. And she just was this such a, a real honest soul you know, that was just mm-hmm. a real freaking writer. I turned her on to Travis Meadows. Yeah. I sent her killing Uncle Buzzy. I'm like, listen to this. I think this is right up your alley. Yeah. And a few hours later, she texts me back. She's like, oh my God. Yeah. It was like, I showed her the light. You know what I mean? And yeah. she was like, so she started doing covers of his songs and putting them on social media. Mm-hmm. He would always respond to it. Yeah, that's cool. And then, and and it was just this wonderful first circle moment where her mom texted me and she's like, "Hey, 
And she sends me a link because Travis Meadows was performing at Thurn Lindsley. And she's like, we got you a ticket. We'd like you to join us. And I was like, yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, he's such a sweetheart. He's the nicest man mm-hmm. on the face of the planet. So just shout out to Travis Meadows. Like he's the dude. So Yeah, love it. But that's the thing. I mean, so you had a a record to send, right? Sometimes people pass along a demo here or there if they hear something really cool. Like, right? Yeah. But if you go, dude, check out this record. Yeah. Like it's a body of work. It really sets the brand of that writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just another layer of like, hey, people, thankfully, I think Brent Baxter songs get played on Music Row on the daily, like in offices and different things, right? Just the years I've been doing this, the number of songs. At the Freak Show, like last history, night. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's never my voice. So people may hear my songs a lot more than they realize because it's just not me singing. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be more helpful for my personal brand if it was my voice. But then you crank that up even another notch where it's a record that people can share. And it's all your voice. Yeah. And it's your artistry. And it's bound together by the production and all this stuff. Right? The, the thing that makes you you. I'm a little more chameleon. I kind of disappear into songs, hopefully, mm-hmm. to help whatever that vision for that thing is. But if it's like your record and your brand and your thing, that helps go, oh, Travis Meadows, this thing. Mm-hmm. that raw honesty or whatever yeah whoever it is it helps set that and it's something that's more shareable yeah you don't have to worry about the discoverability okay because just because it's out there doesn't mean people know it's there. distribution is not marketing as we say but it's shareable so johnny can go ava listen to this it's probably a link right yeah it's probably not a drop box it's probably a link to the record you can go link to the record on spotify yeah exactly makes it easier to share and also easier to share on the bus. It, it just has a lot more. It's tangible now, it, even though it's ones and yeah. zeros. It's tangible. And you know Terrible. what? Something else to, about Travis Meadows, like on an artistic level. Mm-hmm. So decidedly that record is, I mean, that is not a record that would ever be played on country radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe what we all got, but like we all want what we all, what we ain't got, but not until Jake Owen did it. Right. Yeah. Become that number one hit. But so he's out crowd mm-hmm. from Music Row. Like really, like he doesn't write like Music Row. And that became, I know, very important to Eric Church. Yeah, I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't want to step on that, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, just that thought Meadows went on the bus with Eric Church, who's you know, mega country star, hit artist. Uh-huh. And it basically told him, and I don't have the exact word because I wasn't on the bus, but basically like Travis like I don't I don't do it like everybody does it on Music Row and Eric's like yeah that's exactly why you're here that's you exactly why you're on the bus yeah I'm, I'm depending on that yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah that's not a bug that's the, a feature yes you don't do it like exactly. so that's yeah that's the message I wanted to get out to the climbers was like this is not mm-hmm. what's on the radio and that it, but it's friggin' good you know what I mean it's yeah so good. okay another case Lori McKenna uh-huh. she was up in Boston doing the folky thing mom wife whatever six right how many kids is it about- six kids uh she might i don't know maybe three kids no i mean she multiple maybe thinking more of than one no. Hold on. <laughs> but at that point who knows how many but she was you know and she's doing the folk certain putting out records but it wasn't like record on universal or record on warner brothers it was i'm sure more much more independent and somehow it gets to freaking faith hill who cuts like a bunch of them for this Fireflies record. Yep. And it makes a big, like, who is this? Who is this 
folky, yep. unsigned, whatever, singer-songwriter. And then the next thing you know, she got on Oprah. Yep. And it launches her, into, and she backs it up. I mean, it wasn't just like this freak. And she's an excellent writer, right? Yeah. So, Five kids. And she backs Five. it up, and she makes relationships, and she's and she's been killing it for a while now. She's very well respected as a writer. So and the thing, okay, both those, what do they, what do they have in common? Quality. Mm-hmm. They are really freaking good at what they do. Laura McKenna, Travis Mendels, different flavors, right? Yep. Really, really, really freaking good at what they do. Yep. And so that is a thing that came from the independent world that got her on the map. If she had just been playing, you know, coffee houses, circuit, coffee houses and stuff. Yep. Same songs, but didn't have a, a record to pass around. Yeah. Would we know who she is? And we'd all be worse off for it. The world would be less humble and kind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we wouldn't have humble and kind. That's just what I was going to say. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So let's see here. There's there's another interview in this American Songwriter magazine with Eric Dillon, who is a uh, singer-songwriter out of Nashville. And so I thought this part was interesting. So he says, in 2016, I recorded an album titled Heart of a Flatland Boy. I call it my Stay Sane in Nashville project. <sighs> Sometimes I think it was out of pure frustration. I had absolutely nothing going on as a songwriter. The cuts were few and far between, and I was watching the last bit of gravel fall off the edge of my first publishing contract. So I decided to spend $20,000 that I didn't have to make a record. I will admit it was not my brightest idea. <laughs> luckily, the, luckily, the songs on Heart of a Flatland Boy were heard by several great rookie artists who had just moved to Nashville or were on their way to Guitar Town. I met up in numbers like Luke Combs, Riley Green, Elvie Shane, Ray Fulcher, and so many other great young artists by releasing that album. They liked the songs I released, and I began co-writing with them. Years later, the recording contracts arrived and my friends kept me along for the ride in the writing rooms. My first country number one was a song I co-wrote with Riley Green titled, There Was This Girl. I co-wrote Fulcher's first radio single, Girl In It. My most recent single as a songwriter at FM Radio is titled Drinking Problems with Dylan Carmichael. This song was written alongside Combs, Fulcher, and Thomas Archer early in Luke's career. In addition, several of the songs from Heart of a Flatland Boy have been recorded and released by other artists. I never saw it coming and would never have witnessed these opportunities without Heart of a Flatland Boy. I am certain of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anything else? Puts it out there. Anything else we need to say? So he did good work. He put it out there when he was frustrated. And one of my coaching clients was kind of like, I've got all these songs sitting around, not being heard. Maybe I should put them out. I'm like, yeah, maybe you should. Right. Mm -hmm. So that helped brand him, get his marquee value up. It had something that people could share around Yep. and it started getting heard by people and they dug it and it created opportunity for him. Yeah. And that sounded like it was like hand to hand combat, not like streaming. Somebody heard it on the discovered on Spotify or whatever, but it was out there. And so, Eric started getting these relationships, which years later have turned into number ones and major artists, co-writes and that sort of thing too, which I think is super cool. Other examples, Kim Ritchie, she put out an album on Mercury Records. So not independent. I mean, it was a major label release. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the video of her, I think of her single, oh, those words we said on like CMT back in college. And I went and picked up that record. I thought it was just really cool like singer songwriter country but folky almost like indigo girls country thing Mm -hmm. super cool tore that record up 
Now, Kim never had a hit as an artist. I don't know if she ever even charted. But there were like six number ones on that record. I crap you not. Really? But for other female artists. Yeah. Like yeah. Patty Loveless and Mindy McCready and who knows who else. Like there were six number ones off that record. But none of them were Kim's version off of her record. But it got around, right? Obviously, it did not stop people from... And this was on Mercury Nashville, right? So it was a label. What was that artist's name? Kim Ritchie? Kim Ritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. She's awesome. She wrote for Blue Water Music, which I ended up working for when I first moved to town, and which was fun because I'm like, hey... You got any more of them Kim Ritchie demos I can listen to? Which was fun. But she wasn't still writing there by the time I got there. She'd left. But a lot of those songs, they pitched around or people heard them on her record. was like, I didn't do anything. I can make that. Uh, let's cut that. And What was uh, the record? Uh, I think it was her self-titled. I think it was just called Kim Ritchie. Okay. I got to listen to it. Oh, it's so good. She's so good. She's so good. So, yeah, it was just her self-titled one is the one I'm thinking of. And that was from 1995 Mercury Records, which is a division of Universal. So you had, I don't remember who all cut what versions of it, but I know there were several female artists, country artists that made number ones off that record. Look, there are 13 songs on the record, and I think like six of them ended up going number one for somebody else. Say, okay. Wow. Yeah. A vulgar display of prowess, as I... So, and she had had a publishing deal. You know, Blue Water's a good boutique publishing company. A lot of cool stuff like Jim Lauderdale and Kim Ritchie and stuff, really cool writers. And that I think helped raise a profile of her and those songs to get. What were the number ones? Can you tell me what they're? I'm looking at it right now. Like, which one? Man, I would have to look up. It's been so long. Obviously, it's been about almost 30 years or something since that record came out. Yeah. Let's see. I want to say You'll Never Know was a was a Mindy McCready number one. Yep. I think, uh, let's see, Let the Sun Fall Down ended up in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Kim's version, which she wrote with my buddy Neil Cody. God bless you, Neil Cody. Mm. Uh, let's see. From Where I Stand, I bet someone cut that one. That's a lie. I think it might have been like Patty Loveless or something. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. But I remember, like, because I was a fan of that record, as those singles started coming out or people getting cut in them, I was like, hey, there's that song. Hey, there's that song. You know, so I can't remember all of that's them That's crazy. Because I know Kim's version of them mostly, because that's the version. Dude, okay, so I'm looking at the record right now on Spotify, right? The, mm-hmm. the biggest song on Kim's version here with the most streams, mm-hmm. those words we said, 216,000 streams. There we go. Yeah. And let's see. Here I go again, 24,000. You'll never know, 35,000. That's exactly what I mean, 20,000. The sun fell down, 150,000. Just like the moon, 22,000. From where I stand, 14,000. Sweet Mysteries, 11,000. I mean, like, oh, wow. That's crazy. That's a lie, 15,000. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Nuts. Yeah. Crazy, huh? So good. But, oh, then you go, oh, well, here's Mindy McCready's version of You'll Never Know with a million. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. The, the, there we go. So, yeah, that's uh, it didn't hurt Kim to, to put out her own record. It didn't stop other people from recording it and putting it out and make it a number one. So, Radney Foster. Yeah. From Foster and Lloyd. He had his own successful artist career. He's awesome. Mutual friend of our, our buddy, Eric Erdman. Mm-hmm. 
but Radney's just highly respected and stuff has done the artist thing, but you know, he put out his own records on, he had a record on Airster records, which contained raining on Sunday, mm-hmm. which became a number one for Keith Urban and Godspeed sweet dreams, which was on a huge Dixie chicks record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the home record. So, okay. So he put it out and then other people would cover it. It didn't stop him. It was on his record first. They heard it and it was like, this is freaking cool. Let's put this out. Another example is God Gave Me You. The original artist was Dave Barnes. Did not know that. And it was being played. Yeah, it was being, and they heard it on the bus on satellite radio. Wow. And Blake heard it was like, man, that's like me and Miranda or whatever. And let's go. And they cut it. And Blake, uh, Dave, he does a lot of, I don't know if he's getting played on CCM satellite radio dave does ccm stuff but he also does you know he's an independent artist mm-hmm. he does stuff that's more popping so i'm not sure what they were listening to on the bus but he had it out there as his own song mm-hmm. on satellite and they heard it on the bus and blake was like dude that's me and he cut it, it was a number one country hit sick so such a good song it's a good song yeah that's the stuff that this stuff is awesome all these writers are really freaking good, <laughs> you know? So, yep. but you know what, if they weren't great, then it would go out and then there, it, no one would know. Yeah. Then you just probably wasted time and money, but if it's great, so I'm not worried about it. I don't, I think, yeah, if you want to do that artist thing, have it be part of what you're doing. I don't think it's going to stop people from covering your song and putting it out there. And because they know to vast majority of the world, their version is going to be the version. Yeah, and, and I mean, keep, keep that Kim Ritchie, those Kim Ritchie numbers in your head. You know what I mean? That, song, that record came out in 1995. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, most people, I would look at that and be like, well, this blows. Like, <laughs> now the numbers aren't good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it found a life a different way than that record, you know? So don't be discouraged by low mm-hmm. streaming numbers if your stuff is really good. Yeah. If it's really good. Exactly. I mean, and you know, with Kim, she's an artist. Travis is definitely an artist. You know, that if that's part of what you do and that helps feed you, even if it doesn't monetarily feed you, but it feeds your artistic art mm-hmm. to, to, I want to put stuff in the world. Don't be scared of, of putting your stuff out there. I think again, worst case scenarios, no one hears it. And so no one knows and no one cares, Yeah, but what if they do hear it and it's, awesome and they go who is that i want to i want to find it's shareable so they go here's the spotify link or here's the youtube link or here's the whatever and it gives you it's so shareable it has a lot a lot more potential for velocity you know it used to be i remember moving to town and i got to nashville and i had some friends that knew like uh, my friend laura mcleod who worked at blue water when i was working there and then she went over i think she worked at famous music where tony lane was at the time and i'm like get me tony lane demos and she's mm-hmm. like yes i will <laughs> and so i have i have a cd actually over there in my office of like some tony lane demos and it was harder for the rest and poor the i felt bad for the rest of the world because they didn't have access to that. Now, Tony, I think, has some stuff on streaming now with him as an artist. But, okay. you know, it just wasn't accessible. Yeah. And so I felt so like, oh, and my buddies and I would share that stuff around. Yep. Because it was so freaking good. Right? It's good, man. Most yeah. of the world didn't have access to Tony Lane doing Tony Lane songs. Poor guys. Yeah. You know, but I felt like in the catbird seat that I got to hear some of that really cool stuff before the rest of the world did on a John Michael Montgomery record or on a... Montgomery Gentry record on a 
Tim McGraw record or whatever. Yeah. So don't be afraid to put that stuff out. I think it, I think it's a net plus. I mean, because what's the downside? I mean, I did hear a story one time of, hey, somebody didn't want this artist version of it out because maybe they were more of a major indie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, they want to cut it, but they don't want both versions out there. And they're like, we pulled ours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for streaming. So this major artist could cut it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. They had the conversation. I mean, I don't, whatever, however you feel about that. That's what the story was. And I pull my version too to go get a chance at a number one, mm-hmm. which just raises their value and their marquee value. Well, make a name for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So oh, those are my thoughts on that is don't be scared. Great stories, man. Those, that's good stuff. I like that. I like that a lot. Like, yeah, that's, it's fascinating to see the the difference with that. I have to, I have to remember to, when we drop this, I'll put the link to Kim Ritchie's Spotify thing and killing Uncle Buzzy in the climb community. Yeah. So that they can hear you that. that I mean, you guys, you got to listen to those records, man. They're so good. So good. So good. And that's what you want to be. You want to be that record that, People go, you got to listen to this. This is awesome. Yeah. The Goodbye Earl, Dixie Chicks, number one, massive song for them. I heard that that wasn't pitched. That was just like, dude, you got to hear this. Yeah. And they're like, not only do we hear it, we're going to cut the son of a gun. Yeah. They're like, oh. (laughs) It was like a tongue in cheek kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. And just got passed around because, and it's so, it's very well done, right? It's crafted. I mean, the guy that wrote it, Dennis Lindy, master craftsman multiple hits. I mean, Ashton McBride named a whole album Lindyville based on his work and just the influence he had. Oh, on really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause the, the thing is like, he wrote songs like queen of my double wide trailer, I think. And all these like quirky things, but super trailer park vibe. Yeah. But yeah, the, which so is what Lindyville is. is that, all these characters in Lindy's mind all lived in the same town. They knew each other. They would pop up in each other's songs. So there's an Earl in Queen of My Double Wide Trailer, and maybe that's the same Earl that got goodbye in Goodbye Earl. You know, so, I mean, I heard that he even had a map in his, here's the town, and all these people in his mind were citizens of this little town that he wrote these amazing songs around. And so that's what, so the welcome to Lindyville record by Ashley McBride to bring this all full circle is intentionally done where like you get these recurring characters, these songs on this concept record. Yeah. And the song, each song stands on its own. But if you listen to it, you're like, this is all taking place in Lindyville. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yep. that, that's Earl, another amazing record, by the way. Yeah. 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 And so goodbye Earl was just pitched as a, you got to hear this. This is, bonkers yeah and then you got getting a number one out of it so that's the thing bottom line it ha- it's not enough to just put your song out there yeah it's got to be really freaking good and that's what you want if it's not good enough that people are sharing it going oh you just got to hear this it's not good enough yet yeah so there's a carrot in the stick i mean yeah that's what i got i love it i love it all right guys well that brings us to the end of another killer climb episode happy halloween because it's uh, <laughs> boo. It's Halloween boo. And listen, make sure you share, join the climb community, share with a friend. And this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.